Oh, there's a lot to talk about this morning, so let's bring them right in. Time for the morning brief. Mark Tui is here, advisor to business and political leaders. Good morning, sir. Good morning, John Moore. And the answer is leap year. Say what? Oh, is that why the Abs, it's fall almost is, complete, like, is out of sync? I would uh, guess so, because next year is a leap year. It's almost like they have to add an extra day in February next year in order to get fall equinox back to where it should be. Oh, my goodness. And thinking of the timing, because remember, Pierre Elliott Trudeau took his walk in the snow and announced his resignation on the 29th of February. So there, there would go. be foreboding. A, wouldn't there oh, be exciting. a tremendous symmetry if Justin Trudeau decided to do the same thing? Fascinating. Mm. I didn't know that was a leap year. So there you go. Well, oh, a whole great, another new reason to look forward to next year. Yeah, I mean, leave it to Pierre Elliott Trudeau to pull a stunt like that. But anyway, let's get to contemporary affairs. And Doug Ford has now lost a second cabinet minister. So I would think that those people who've been arguing over the last month, oh, it's no big deal. I mean, two cabinet ministers is no small thing. No, absolutely. And this is an interesting sort of political predicament because I think inside the world of politics, this is gaining traction. Uh, We talked about it before being like barnacles accumulating on the bottom of a ship and it's just slowing things down. But when I listen and I do listen to your conversations in uh, the cafes and the diners and, uh, you know, public places, I'm a horrid eavesdropper. I don't hear people really talking about this. So I'm not sure it resonates with the people on on average, but it doesn't that doesn't mean it isn't going to hurt them politically. And this kind of has a different ring about it. This sounds like a minister who was told to resign, even down to the language like, well, look, if he's cleared by the integrity commissioner, then he'll have an opportunity to return to caucus because he didn't just step down as a cabinet minister. He was turfed, basically, or stepped down from the PC caucus in the legislature. So that's a big deal. And it seems to me that what Doug Ford is doing looks like he's very much hardening uh, his approach with his own cabinet, getting tired and frustrated with this type of drip, drip, drip of sort of, you know, misbehavior. And so this guy, to me, looks like he was fired. More interesting to me is the fact that he was there with uh, a man named Amin Masudi, who I know I worked with at the City Hall, who was Doug Ford's uh, executive assistant when he was a city councillor and was, I think, principal secretary in the premier's office at the time of this trip. Uh, that's interesting. He's no longer working for the premier. I think he has a job in the public sector or at a university or something now. But uh, so, yeah, this this is not what you want if you're the premier. It's not what you want if you're the premier's chief of staff, this sort of steady drip of revelations. I expect that there's going to be a stern talking to uh, to get rid of it. I, I would be willing to sort of say what's needed here is a bit of a bloodletting. You know, anybody who's potentially got their fingers somewhere they shouldn't be should have their fingers cut off as sort of the next step, I think, in crisis management. Yeah, and you, with your experience, would certainly have... Uh, you know, perspective on what makes a scandal. And I think a lot of scandals sort of start, you know, if you want to use a, a recipe or a food analogy, you know, an egg in a shell sitting on the kitchen counter, well, that's no big deal. But then, you know, start laying on the uh, salsa and the bacon and a few other things, you got a meal. Yeah, and in this case, I mean, it's never really the, frankly, it's not taking a 
a few properties out of the green belt that is really i think an issue it's how you reacted to it it's always the perception of a cover-up or the reality of a cover-up afterwards and in this case you've got a minister who said something whether it was inadvertent or intentional uh you know information that was given to the integrity commissioner in the course of an investigation that just wasn't true um plus who do you have a I, I don't understand why three men would have a massage together. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I just like that to me implies a level of familiarity that seems to go far further than what they're admitting to. Okay, so do you think that necessarily the cultural needle might have moved yesterday with the protests that happened? I think something I found very disturbing was the level of disinformation amongst a lot of the people who are protesting what they say is in the school agenda, which actually mostly is not. I mean, there was one woman on CTV talking about how her granddaughter is in kindergarten and she's being taught about masturbation. That is simply not true. Yeah, no, you're true. But there's disinformation on all sides of this. I, I have very little time uh, for the protests because the protesters on both sides are frankly acting like idiots. Uh, and neither side, in fact, there are many sides, I think, that were represented there. And no, nobody is listening to anybody else. Everybody is counter protesting and pro counter testing their, you know, what they believe the other side to be standing for. And nobody's actually listening to what they're saying. There is a lot of misinformation information about the, the sex ed uh, curriculum, uh, but a lot of the parents that, that were behind the initial, uh, you know, impetus behind this protest were just concerned, I think, that they believed, true or untrue, that they were losing the ability to parent their children over terms like, you know, should the school call people by different names and pronouns with, you know, and keep it a secret from the parents. That's fundamental to parenting um, if you're a parent. And it doesn't, you know, that's the, the kind of discussion that good parents should have with their kids and not uh, have to find out about it after the fact. And then, you know, it's just everybody, the counter-protesters, oh, they hate gay people. I'm not sure that most of them do. Some of them might, and they're misinformed, but they're misinformed on every side of this. A pox in all their houses. Everybody stay home and play <laughs> euchre. Yeah, I know. I thought, I mean, I went out for lunch yesterday, so thanks. Just everybody go live your lives. Um, and I'm always curious about your thoughts on international affairs. So uh, India now saying that uh, students in Canada, Indian students in Canada, might be at risk. And people are saying, oh, that might dissuade them from coming and studying in Canada. If it does, then who cares? Yeah, according to uh, Justin Trudeau, they might be at risk from Indian assassins. So maybe India knows what it's talking about. Now, this, I think, is pure politics. Uh, even during the height of the Michael uh, Kovrig and uh, Michael, whose last name I remember, the two yeah. Michaels. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Um, you know, Canada never you know, put on a, a very strict warning of going to China, which I argued at the time we should have as part of the political leverage to get some action from the Chinese government. That's what this is. This is political leverage that the Indian government is applying on Canada, and Canada's kind of turned the tail and the table and done the same, I think, in return. Um, this is a, a difficult one because, as much as I'm absolutely livid that a foreign country 
might have, you know, reached into Canada to uh, kill somebody who was a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil. There's a lot of questions about who this person was, and I'm not 100% sure Canada's on the right side of this one. Um, in the assassination, absolutely we are. But, you know, in terms of Canada's uh, approach to... I mean, if there was a if there was a group of Canadians living in India who avowed the uh, separation of Quebec, I think we'd be upset about it. Possibly, but I don't think we'd send somebody to kill them. Um, but we're at a race track. They were so. sending people here to kill Canadians. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, again, we don't know what the truth is because both sides there's more politics than fact. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Take That's care. Mark Tuohy on The Morning Brief.